Now I'll tell you, <clears throat> when I told my seminary friends that I was going on a silent retreat for a May term class, they were surprised. <laughs> you? Really? Do you think you'll be able to keep silent for so long, they asked. Well, I wasn't confident that I could keep my mouth shut for days on end, but I wanted to try. And now, over a decade after that silent retreat, I am grateful still for the time set apart, spent and shared silence. I learned how to be comfortable in a room with other people without conversation. And I learned how to listen more intently to my surroundings. Now our class had an agreement. We would make eye contact during meals, but we would not break the silence for three days. And during that retreat, I was awakened to the power and delight that silence can offer. I found the experience freeing and calming to join a community that practiced silence together. Now, if just hearing about my silent retreat makes you nervous, don't worry. I am not going to enforce that Second Presbyterian Church starts gathering to practice silence together, but we do have several opportunities to sit in holy silence. Thanks to the practice of Lectio Divina, our group spends time in silence every Monday afternoon. We share silence and space for the Spirit to inspire us through Scripture, pausing three different times for quiet reflection. Additionally, Roger and Kelly lead a monthly Taize worship service in the chapel centered around shared silence. I invite you to join them on the first Tuesday at noon to listen to God speak through prayer, song, and to sit in silence together. I'll admit that many of us may be uncomfortable with silence, and practicing it in community can help. Our life together offers moments when we can share silence as a church family. Now, I'm not sure what Elijah was expecting when the Lord told him to stand on the mountain and experience the presence of the one true God, but I doubt he expected the sound of sheer silence. As our Old Testament passage begins, Elijah has had a rough couple of days, to say the least. He has experienced death threats and drought, sword fights and supplications from the Lord and from the king. Elijah has been fighting for his faith, and he finds himself fleeing for his life way out in the wilderness without his servant or a steady supply of food. 
But good news, God is no stranger to the wilderness. And God still shows up, meeting him with a personal charge for Elijah. In order to experience the commanding presence and the still small voice of the Lord, Elijah has to first withstand the strident sounds of earth, wind, and fire. Listen now to this story from 1 Kings. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a message to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. So then Elijah was afraid. And he got up and fled for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. But Elijah himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. And then Elijah lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. Suddenly, an angel touched him and said to him, Get up and eat. He looked, and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. And then the angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat or the journey will be too much for you. So Elijah got up and ate and drank. And then he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the Mount of God. At that place, he came to a cave and spent the night there. And then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind, an earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And there came a voice to him that said, 
What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. And then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, what a story. After running for his life, Elijah is waited on by angels. And then God shows up to offer further support and directions. Now, to stay true to the text, we will begin with the wind, and I will relegate my affinity for the classic 70s funk band, Earth, Wind, and Fire, that gifted us with Let's Groove and September. <clears throat> when we think about the wind, this was no ordinary breeze, mind you. It was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks into pieces. God did not start the conversation with a gentle rush, but with a mighty gust that took apart the very mountains where Elijah had found shelter. You may remember, because I have shared before, that one of my favorite Hebrew words is ruach, the word for wind, breath, or spirit. It occurs nearly 400 times in the Hebrew Bible. For example, the ruach of God hovers over the waters in the second verse of the creation story in Genesis. There is a divine element to the wind or the breath defined by ruach, and it is the word that is used in this text. So surely Elijah expected to find the Lord in that divine driven wind. But the Lord was not in the wind. While not all biblical scholars would agree with me, I think the Ruach of God shows up every time the Holy Spirit surprises us and shakes things up. Throughout the biblical witness, the Holy Spirit is at work, demanding our attention through Pentecostal flames, visions and dreams, and doves descending, showing up in unexpected places and people, the Holy Spirit stirs up the imagination of God's people to live for and to believe in the world ruled by the love of God. North Carolina singer and songwriter Christine Kane hints at the Spirit's work in her song, Falling in Love with the Wind. She sings, Several angels walked me right through the darkest alleys till I could tell what's holy outside a cathedral. 
and all the poets taught me that there's a difference between free and just pretending not to see what you have run from. Well, Elijah is running. He is running to be free from the persecution of the powerful. He is running to defend his faith, and he finds the holy way out in the wilderness, announced by a great wind. The wind, the ruach, leads Elijah to see and hear more keenly, to pay attention to the sacred dialogue that has commenced. And just as quickly as the wind arrives, it is replaced by an earthquake. Now, if the mountains splitting and rocks breaking weren't enough, the Lord then shakes the ground down to the foundation of the earth. God has shown up as a landscape architect more than once, moving mountains, parting seas, leveling high places, and lifting up the plains. And if the wind echoes the force of the Holy Spirit, then the earthquake echoes the work of Jesus Christ. Throughout our Gospels, Jesus is shaking things up, questioning the established order, doing the unexpected, puzzling the powerful, and paying attention to women, children, and the marginalized. Jesus makes a simple meal of fish and loaves a miracle with leftovers. He calls a short-statured tax cheat down from a tree and converts his heart to sharing. He spends time with the least respected and the overlooked. He heals on the Sabbath. He opens eyes and becomes known and familiar by breaking the bread and passing the cup. We believe that Jesus was crucified because he threatened the powers that be, but he had the last word and the ultimate scene change. When three days later, he shocked his followers, women and men, by dusting off his grave clothes and offering his peace. Now, I realize our text today doesn't dwell on the earthquake very long, but we are gathered here to worship because Christ is still rumbling in our hearts and shaking up our mindset to know God's love and to share it. Make no mistake, friends, Christ is still in the earth-shifting business. And next, next the Lord sends a fire. And somehow, given that this is the third sign of the power of the divine, I doubt it was a carefully created campfire like what happens at Camp Hanover. Elijah had no time to make s'mores and enjoy the warmth and flicker of the flames. No, this fire was present and then disappeared. And that's when the sound of sheer silence sets in. That's the moment that Elijah senses the full presence of the Lord 
wraps his head and moves towards the entrance of the cave. That's when the Lord asks for the second time, what are you doing here, Elijah? That's when the conversation gets really good. Elijah had to experience the wind, the earthquake, and the fire to prepare for the still, small voice of the Lord, to prepare for the fullness of the holy and to hear his new mission. God uses the noise and three forces of nature to make sure that Elijah doesn't miss his cue. Sometimes it can be difficult to discern God's voice amidst the noise and unrest of our world, our media, and our minds. But long before TikTok and Twitter existed to distract him, Elijah had trouble discerning God's voice through the violence and suffering of his time. We too, we too are familiar with violence and suffering. Recent headlines call our attention to fires burning in California, Washington, and Oregon, and Montana, and Idaho. After flooding in Buchanan County, we continue to pray for those dealing with the floods in Kentucky. We pray for the warfare that continues on in Ukraine. There are reports this week of violence ringing out from Gaza and China. And like Elijah, sometimes we struggle to hear the word of the Lord, questioning what we are doing and where we are going. Many of us may struggle to listen and to embrace silence. Silence is seldom a routine part of our lives. Well, Kathleen Norris writes about her experiment teaching art in elementary schools using silence and noise as a teaching tool. She made a deal with each class. First, you get to make noise, and then you'll create silence. It usually took two or three tries to unleash the possible volume with shouting, pounding, and stomping. And the rules for creating silence were simple. Don't hold your breath and no funny faces. Norris writes, the only time she encountered a class that was unable to reach a point of stillness she learned the reason why when she happened to arrive early for the class one day. Their teacher was shrieking commands at them. Right, don't print your name in the upper right-hand corner of the paper. Set a left-hand margin and keep it. Use a pencil, not a pen. Well, these children had so many little rules barked at them all day long that they had stopped listening which surely is a prerequisite for silence. Norris continues, what interests me most about my experience is the way in which making silence liberated the imaginations of so many children. 
one third grader's poem turned into a prayer. Silence is spiders spinning their webs. It's like a silkworm making its silk. Lord, help me to know when to be silent. And in a tiny town in western North Dakota, a little girl offered a gem of spiritual wisdom that I find myself returning to when my life becomes too noisy and distractions overwhelm me. Silence reminds me to take my soul with me wherever I go. Silence reminds me to take my soul with me wherever I go. Silence reminded Elijah that God was present and ready to take care of him wherever he went. Silence can remind us to carry our souls with us too. Today, we are called to discern a sheer sound of silence as well, to take our souls with us wherever we go, to focus on the presence of the triune God, calling us to new places and new patterns and new ways of being. Our world is jam-packed with wind, earthquakes, and fire all around us. We can be overwhelmed by words, violence, and anger. Every day we are surrounded by so much noise and fury. It's enough to wear us down. Yet, we are called to listen with prayerful attention to the ways the Holy Spirit is still rushing in, sometimes with strong gale force winds and sometimes with a gentle breeze. Today, listening for you may begin at Christ's table, sharing the sacred meal with Christ and the communion of saints. We are called to listen to the way Christ is calling us to be the change we want to see in the world. Christ is still calling us to follow and be disciples. Are we ready to hear? There are still so many voices shrieking commands and howling their complaints. I wonder if we know how or when to be silent. I wonder if we know how to take our souls with us where we go. We are called to listen for the call of a creative God who remains steadfast, who sends angels to serve us, no matter how often God's children disobey and disappoint and make a mess of things. We too are called to listen to that still, small voice like Elijah, called out of our comfort zone and into the presence and love of God. Can you hear it? Will you listen to the sound of sheer silence in your life? And finally, will you follow? May it be so. Let us pray.
God of the wind, earthquake, and fires, God of the silence, we ask that you open our ears ready to hear and open our hearts ready to follow. Tend to us when we need your care and send us out with courage, ready to show up, to work for your justice and to share your love and to carry our souls with us wherever we go. May we do so in the model of your Son, our Savior. Amen. <laughs>